It's safe to say the Buckeyes are picking up steam on the recruiting trail as they just picked up their fourth verbal commitment in the month of April. As last night, four-star linebacker Peyton Pierce from the state of Texas announced that he will play football at Ohio State. You are Locked On Buckeyes, your daily podcast on the Ohio State Buckeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Buckeye fans, welcome back to the episode of Locked On Buckeyes. For the Locked On Podcast Network, I'm your host, Jay Stevens, also the host of the Jay Stevens Podcast. It is Wednesday, April 12th in the year 2023, and this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. During this episode, we will welcome Tyler Rowland, the host of Locked On Titans, to the show. He lets us know why the Titans love Paris Johnson Jr. But before we get to any of that, the Buckeyes just picked up their fourth verbal commitment in the month of April. This one coming from four-star linebacker. Peyton Pierce from the state of Texas as he announced last night that he has committed to play football at the Ohio State University. There was some question by some about when the Buckeyes will start getting commitments from players on the defensive side of the ball. So far, this is only the second one. The first one coming from Garrett Stover from Big Walnut High School in Sunbury, Ohio. Those are the only two players on the defensive side of the ball to verbally commit to Ohio State right now. Both linebackers, and I don't see a problem with that. And honestly, I believe these two players together, one in-state, one down in Texas, both of them can be a two-headed monster to create a big unit on defense for the Buckeyes and this recruiting class to be really good over the next few years. But when it comes to Peyton Pierce, and this being the fourth verbal commitment in this month alone, we are seeing the Buckeyes picking up steam on the recruiting trail. Earlier this month, James Peoples, also from the state of Texas, he committed to Ohio State as a running back. Aaron Nolan, just over the weekend on the 8th, he committed to Ohio State. Mylon Graham, wide receiver, five-star, he committed to Ohio State. And then Peyton Pierce as well. This young man with over 40 offers, he was a guy that's sought out Sought after by everyone. Tennessee recently took a visit to Tennessee after a visit to Ohio State. And this was during the process of him trying to figure out and really trying to fine-tune and say, this is where I want to go. After his visit to Ohio State, he told his parents that he believed Ohio State was a place for him. But they said, take a week. And in this time period, he had a visit to Tennessee during the next week already already scheduled. He took that visit to to Tennessee. When he returned home, he still was on the Ohio State Buckeye train. And then a few days after that, he ended up calling Ohio State, Jim Knowles, Ryan Day, James Lord Nidison, telling him that he was going to commit to Ohio State, but he still waited to make that thing public on Tuesday evening. This is someone, when you're talking about a guy who you can anchor your defense around, that's Peyton Pierce. He's an elite wrestler in Texas in high school. He can be somebody that can lead his high school, Lovejoy High School, outside of Dallas to the state championship. But he also has the smarts in the brain. And we're finding that Ohio State is trying to find 
really fine tune who they're bringing in and who they're putting the resources to. Guys that are smart, guys that conduct themselves, multi-sport athletes. You're seeing a lot of that come in. But I love that Peyton Pierce, he's a middle linebacker. He's not so much the old school guy, the Ray Lewis old school linebacker that's just kind of a thumper that Ray Lewis can move laterally, sideline to sideline. A lot of the old school Mike linebackers, they could not. Peyton Pierce can move laterally. He's very quick, and he understands pre-snap read, post-snap verification of what you saw in the pre-snap to kind of figure out exactly what's going on with that play. He's ran, I've seen him run over guards, like literally just bulldoze homie right over. I've seen him play on special teams and be pivotal in that on the field goal block team that's out there on the football field. He's also done a, a Tim Tebow jump pass as well. So he's not just someone that plays defense. Multi-sport, you see him on the wrestling mat and how he transfers those tools that he's learned there, how he transfers those to the football field. And this is great. We're seeing the Buckeyes pick up steam. Currently, they have numerous elite guys that are already a part of this recruiting class. A lot on offense, two wide receivers, one running back, four offensive linemen, a quarterback, and two linebackers. And Garrett Stover, Peyton Pierce, they're already discussing how to add to this recruiting class. So you have a good base so far. You got an in-state linebacker. You got a linebacker down in Texas. You got guys you can build around, guys that are versatile at linebacker. But also when it comes to the secondary and D-line, as a safety, you want to make sure and trust the linebackers on your team to make sure they do the right thing. You can trust Stover and Peyton Pierce in that. Also, defensive linemen, you want to make sure you can trust the linebackers behind you, that they can help put you in the right spot if you're not lined up properly. Hey, slide here, slide there. Figure things out behind me to help me be better. This guy, Peyton Pierce, he can do that very, very well. So I'm excited about Peyton Pierce. Someone said, Jay, I try not to get too excited or too um, over the top about different guys committing because flip season is going to be coming up. After these official visits, and I do believe Peyton Pierce has an official visit scheduled to Ohio State this summer. Let me get that uh, very quickly so I'm not misspeaking. Yes, Peyton Pierce has an official visit scheduled to Ohio State the weekend of June 23rd. And so on the heels of, a, of an unofficial visit to Ohio State, taking a visit to Tennessee, that Tennessee visit didn't sway him away from Ohio State. It just pulled him more to Ohio State. And I love it. I, I love this guy as a player. We're going to talk about this with John Garcia Jr. on tomorrow's show to get more about John's um, thoughts and mindset and expertise in regards to the recruiting and what this means for Ohio State from his point of view. But when it comes to Peyton Pierce, I love it. And people said, people have said, James Lord-Nitis can play and he will play. A big piece of the pie, a, big, a pivotal part to recruiting different athletes, especially at linebacker. And he was one of the three, part of the three-headed monster that helped recruit Peyton Pierce hard. Ryan Day, Jim Knowles, James Laurinaitis. You had your position coach, your, the GA, the GA of your position, and also the head coach go hard at you. I think that speaks volumes about Ohio State. And also, it speaks volumes about how serious Ohio State was about getting a verbal commitment from Peyton Pierce. Pierce also said he's glad that this is over. He's glad that this process is – is he's committed to Ohio State before spring ball starts. It's a lot for a guy, junior in high school, 
to be answering questions from all these coaches. It's a lot for him to do that, and he's happy it's over. I'm happy it's over for him as well. Peyton Pierce committed to Ohio State, four-star linebacker. I like it. I love it. I want more players on Ohio State's recruiting class that are like the caliber of athlete Peyton Pierce is. There are numerous guys at Ohio State that are looking to play in the NFL. They get drafted at the end of the month. And here today, Tyler Rowland joins us next to get his insight about how the Tennessee Titans view guys like Paris Johnson Jr., Jackson Smith and Jigba, C.J. Stroud, and others. You can catch it next here. This is Locked Up Buckeyes. This episode is brought to you by our good friends at FanDuel Sportsbook. Grand slams, no hitters, and double plays are back. There's no better place to get in on the MLB action than FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. That's because right now, new customers can step up to the plate with a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on, sign up, place your first bet, and get up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you don't win. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat-first bet up to $1,000 when you join FanDuel today. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. Once again, go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. And joining us now here on Locked on Buckeyes, just a man that we did a couple shows together with last year during draft season as the Titans ended up picking up Nicholas petit Frayer in last year's NFL draft. And then now it's the draft coming up. A couple Buckeyes are on the radar of the Tennessee Titans is Tyler Rowland, the host of Locked On Titans. Tyler, welcome back to Locked On Buckeyes. Yeah, absolutely. As uh, anybody who listened to our conversations last year would know, I am a Buckeye native, born and raised in Ohio. I'm a big Buckeyes fan as well as the Titans fans remind me when I get too excited about C.J. Stroud as a project. They'll remind, oh, this is just Buckeye nonsense. But yeah, so love coming on uh, Locked On Buckeyes and uh, chopping it up with you. It's a nice crossover for me. Always. It always is. And we've been doing a lot of draft stuff as the draft is uh, literally a couple, two or three weeks away, getting mm-hmm. a lot of preparation and getting some more hosts like yourself from the Locked On NFL family here on the show to hear about what you guys are thinking about Buckeye players and if it's the bright spot for them in the upcoming NFL draft. The Tennessee Titans currently have the number 11 pick in the first round of the NFL draft. And my first thought is go big, go heavy, go beef, go Paris Johnson Jr., but also, if there's a receiver in Jags and Smith and Jigba available at number 11, if Paris Johnson Jr. goes earlier, there's a couple players there that might be options. But first, Paris Johnson Jr., you added a Buckeye last year on the right side of the offensive line. Mm-hmm. Titans could easily add another guy that's a Buckeye for the left side of the offensive line this year. Yeah, and I've been banging the table for Paris Johnson Jr. Now, as we get closer to the draft, there is the potential that Paris Johnson Jr. is not available for the Titans. His stock is going higher. Um, and anytime that you can get uh, an ideal sized six foot six, got the weight, a guy who I have been saying all along, he's got an offensive line body with skill position feet. Yeah. And the Titans system that is a zone run system, they prioritize athleticism for offensive linemen. They need to be able to execute combo blocks and reach blocks and get up to the second level, even the offensive tackles. Uh, I mean, I just think Paris Johnson's skill set is perfect 
for what the Titans need, and you add in the fact that they released long-time left tackle Taylor Lewan earlier this season due to injury concerns and salary cap concerns and all that. So not only does Paris Johnson Jr.'s skill set line up with what the Titans need, but the position lines up perfectly with the Titans' biggest need. They did sign Andre Dillard, a left tackle who was a backup for the Philadelphia Eagles in free agency. But I have been saying throughout the process that the Titans can't look at any of these Band-Aid free agent signings that they've made and let that prevent them from drafting a long-term answer, which I do believe that Paris Johnson Jr. would be at left tackle. I'm right there with you. I do believe. Talk about a long-term option or a fixture right there at left tackle. Mm-hmm. He's the kind of guy you want. You get, you want a guy, especially if you're drafting somebody that high, maybe the first tackle off the board in the, right. in the upcoming draft. You want a guy who you think is going to be a fixture, left tackle, 8, 10, 12 years on your team, a solid two, three contract kind of guy. You also want someone that has the brains, that's smart enough to play the position because yes. it's one thing to be elite in college. It's another one to simply be good or above average in the National Football League. And I do mm-hmm. believe the skill set, the what, what the Titans want on offense and the kind of scheme they run, that fits Paris Johnson Jr. But when you add his brains and his smarts into it, you're getting a guy that can be kind of a, P, a big piece and be a – Kind of the brains and the smarts on the offensive line that you want for someone that's going to be a two, three contract kind of guy for your team over the next eight, 10, 12 years. Yeah, not only do you want the skill set and the football player, I think the Titans are an organization that's very focused on character and football guys, guys who live and breathe the game. When you have a guy like Mike Vrabel, who obviously, former Buckeye, is a guy who played that way and who lived his life that way. That's the kind of player he thinks will be successful in the NFL. And honestly, at the end of the day, it comes down to if you're a decision maker and you're going to give a guy millions and millions of dollars and trust him to protect your franchise quarterback, You want to be able to trust not only the skill set, but the person themselves. It comes down to a regular job interview at that point of, do I trust this person in my business in a vital role? And I think you can get the total package with Paris Johnson, which is why, once again, I've been standing on the table and pounding the table for Paris Johnson to be the pick for the Titans if he's there, regardless of their needs at other positions. And also, just me kind of thinking back to the 2021 season and how the Buckeyes kind of changed and rearranged some things at the offensive line, Nicholas Petit Frere and Eric Johnson Jr. already played together. Like, they already played football Mm -hmm. together. And so the thought of having guys that not just played college ball together, but also playing, potentially playing football together in the NFL, that's going to be an added piece to the pie for the offense because – there's going to be a Buckeye on the right side, potentially a Buckeye on the left side. That's what coaches want, guys that already have chemistry and can continue that chemistry and cultivate more chemistry once they're teammates at the professional level. I think a big thing for the Titans, too, is getting guys who have real big-time experience at the college level. So, like you're talking about, obviously that chemistry is there, but when you get to the next level, you can't have guys who are like, whoa, these are athletes that I've never <laughs> seen before. Yes, sir. You yes, know what right. I mean? I mean, at Ohio State, you're going up against some of the best. I mean, think about a Lucas Van Ness from Iowa who might be a top 15 pick, a Big Ten guy. So, you look at that, that's the kind of thing that the Titans started looking at last year, and I think that had a lot to do with Nicholas Petit-Ferrer being picked. The Titans wanted Power 5 conference guys who have been in big football games, played against the best prospects in the country. I don't mean to, you know, uh, lift up a guy by putting down another guy, but in in 2021, in the second round, the Titans took Dylan Radins out of North Dakota State, and 
you know, he had all the athletic profile and all that, but get to the NFL level and he wasn't necessarily ready to deal with the type of people that you're going to have to block at the NFL level. You don't got to worry about that when you take a player out of Ohio State. So that's why the Titans felt comfortable with Nicholas Petit-Ferrer last year, who coincidentally, to bring the conversation full circle, beat out Dylan Radins for the starting right tackle spot, even though Radins was a second-year player and a second-round pick. Petit-Ferrer, as a third-round pick, beat him out for a starting job. So I think when the Titans start doing the calculus of what they're looking for, having that power five guy with real big-time experience and Paris Johnson checks him. Again, we just continue to check so many boxes, and it just gets me more and more excited every day that the Titans could end up with Paris Johnson Jr. as their long-term left tackle, holding down that position for the next, hopefully, decade. Now, let's think about this. Another guy who some NFL teams say checks all the boxes for them at the wide receiver position. As I look at this NFL draft order right now, it could happen that Paris Johnson Jr. goes top 10. Now, some say he's probably I, – I see more mock drafts with him at 11 than those that have him in the top 10. Right. But it's possible. There's a big possibility that Paris Johnson Jr. is off the board at number 11. In comes Jackson Smith and Jigba. The Titans, a team that if if they if if and Jigba's available, I personally think it would be kind of crazy to pass up in Jigba. But also, mm-hmm. I understand the injury concern, the fact that he yeah. didn't play uh, uh, really any football last year. That the last time he played significant football was in 2021. Great year, phenomenal year, broke right. records, but it was still a year since he's played any significant football. And so, I understand both sides of the equation. How do the Titans view Njigba right now as far as a possibility at number 11? Well, I think right now the biggest thing for Njigba is having versatility because the Titans are a team that likes to play multiple tight end sets. They like to run two tight end sets, three tight end sets. Their base formation is going to be 12 personnel, one running back in the backfield, two tight ends, two wide receivers. So the Titans aren't a team that plays as much 11 personnel with three wide receivers on the field. They don't play that as much as some other teams in the NFL. The Titans in their best version, like I said, two tight ends on the field. Well, when you have two tight ends and a running back on the field, that only lives two positions for wide receivers. You know Traylon Burks, the Titans' first-round pick last year out of Arkansas, is going to be one of those guys. But on the other side, what you can't have is a slot-only receiver. So I want to go back to a comment that Mike Vrabel made at Ohio State's Pro Day, where he said that they see Jackson Smith and Jigba as more than just a slot receiver. Hmm. They see him as someone who can play on the outside, which to me, if you have Traylon Burks as your dominant X receiver on the line of scrimmage, doing his job there, and then you can have Jackson Smith and Jigba as your Z wide receiver that can come in motion, that can be moved around the formation that you're going to get with a running start laterally and things like that. You can use him that way. I think it could be a perfect pairing of skill sets. Burks is a big physical wide receiver who's going to go down the field, make contested catches over top of different cornerbacks. Well, Jackson Smith and Jigba is a smooth, savvy route runner who can find little nooks and crannies in the zone defense. He can beat his man subtly over the middle with you know, little shoulder shimmies and things like that. So I think you put those two together. If the Titans truly do believe in what Mike Vrabel said is true, he could see JSN as an outside receiver. Well, having Burks and JSN as your two wide receivers in the Titans' base 12 personnel set, I think that makes it a much more logical pick because if they viewed Jackson Smith and Jigba as a slot-only guy, well, now you're only really using him on limited uh, Mm -hmm. limited downs, and it doesn't make sense to take that player at number 11 if you think he's only going to be out there for 
33% of your offensive snaps or whatever when you get in three wide receiver situations. So the fact that Mike Vrabel believes that Smith and Jigba can be an outside receiver as well as a slot receiver, I think that makes it even more likely for the Titans to take him at number 11. And in my opinion, there is only one wide receiver in this draft class that's a first-round talent. If you stacked all the wide receivers in this class up against some of the other wide receiver classes we've seen recently, I don't think a guy like Quentin Johnston or Zay Flowers or Jordan Addison, I don't think those guys are pure first-round talents not to get picked in the top 15. Maybe they go later in the sec- in the back half of the first round, you know, through the 20s into the 30s. But I think if there's one wide receiver in this draft class that does have your first-round talent and is worthy of a pick at 11, it's Jackson Smith and Jigba. So not only would he fit with Burks and what the Titans are trying to build, but his talent in this class makes him somebody who it's logical to swoop up at number 11. So Paris Johnson Jr. to me, and I think to you as well, is the best option at 11, and Jigba's there, but it all depends on how the Titans plan on using him. Is he a slot-only guy? Is he an outside guy? Depending on Mm -hmm. the role they have for him, it really dictates what – where he gets taken, not right. just in by any team, but also by the Titans at number 11, if that's an option. But also, you threw something to me before the show, which I was like, I hadn't really thought about. Mm-hmm. The Titans moving up to number two to take C.J. Stroud, assuming the Carolina Panthers take Bryce Young with number one overall. Now, I don't think many people have talked about that or even thought about it, but Stroud to the Titans, I mean, if it's an option, if you want to go up there and make that happen – I think you'd be crazy to not try to get a quarterback like Stroud who's as good as he is throwing the football. Well, I think where where it would really come in is pick number three. I think mm. what Houston might do, because I the Titans would do it, I think, but I doubt Houston would let the Titans come in and steal C.J. Stroud after the Titans stole the franchise away from the city. Uh, but I think Arizona, at number three, hired a new general manager this offseason and Monty Ossenfort. Monty Ossenfort was just an executive with the Titans. So you have connections between the organizations, the Titans and the Cardinals, and the Cardinals sit at pick number three. So if Bryce Young goes number one to Carolina, which all of a sudden there's more momentum for that, and then Houston, who some people have been whispering, now these are rumors, it's smoke screen season in the NFL, you can't trust anything that you hear right now, but some people are saying Houston doesn't have C.J. Stroud as their number two quarterback on the board. They're not huge fans of C.J. Stroud in Houston. And there's some people who believe that they're going to take Will Anderson, the edge rusher, out of Alabama at number two. It's my opinion, and it's something I've been saying all along, that if the Texans are dumb enough to pass on C.J. Stroud, the best pure passer in the entire draft, then the Titans need to pay whatever it takes to get up and get C.J. Stroud. Not only do you secure your quarterback of the future, you keep him away from Indianapolis at pick number four, who's your division rival, and it allows you to release or trade Ryan Tannehill, which would save the Titans $18 million in salary cap space. The Titans only have about three to four to $5 million of cap space, right? They don't even have enough to sign their draft class, and they don't have a lot of options to create more cap space. They would have to extend Derrick Henry, restructure some guys, and kick the can down the road financially. And the Titans don't want to do that right now in sort of a retool transition period for the team. So if for some reason the Texans give the Titans the gift of passing on C.J. Stroud, I think the number one priority for the Titans would instantly instantly become 
getting up to number three, getting C.J. Stroud in the Titans organization. I think he's not a guy who's running around all the time like Bryce Young, but Stroud showed, especially in that Georgia game, something scouts all wanted to see. He can use the mobility if he needs to, and at the NFL level, he won't be as well protected. He won't have such a high talent variance at wide receiver. There are guys getting open nonstop, first-round picks everywhere. It won't be like that in the NFL, so he'll need to use that mobility more. But within the Titans system, that focuses on zone runs, bootlegs, getting quarterbacks outside of the pocket. I think Stroud demonstrated that he has the mobility necessary to execute that sort of offense. And with the benefit of Derrick Henry fed play action, Stroud will have more time and the ability to just lay or pass. I keep going back to a pass against Indiana where Stroud threw it over the middle of the field and layered it in between two guys deep over top of a guy underneath. In between three guys, he put it in a little triangle. And that's an NFL-level throw that if you give Stroud time on play action with Derrick Henry, he's going to be able to cut people up. So if for some reason the Texans pass on Stroud at two and Young goes one, I hope the Titans do whatever it takes to get up there, keep Stroud away from Indianapolis, get him into Nashville, and secure the quarterback position for the next 10 years. Last but not least, there's another guy that I didn't even think about at all for the Titans Mm -hmm. in this conversation. Silly me, just not really thinking about all the options available. The Titans have the 41st pick in the NFL draft in the second round. It's, what, number nine, number 10 pick in that that round? Yeah. DeWan Jones is an option. If he's available, which I think he will be available at yes. that time period, I've heard a lot of first-round stuff, and I've heard a lot of things lately that have kind of right. derailed and say more second-round pick. If DeWan Jones is there, he's an option. At the same time, does his skill set fit the scheme that the want, that the Titans want to run? That's something that's – I think you, Tyler, have said it very well before the show that he might not fit what the Titans want to do on offense. So if he's available, the Titans might pass on him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if it's an exact fit because Dwan Jones, while being a mountain of a man, me personally, from what I've seen, I think he fits better in a power run system. And the Titans, like I've been mentioning throughout the show, are more of a zone run team. Now, one of the cool things about following the Titans this offseason is they did get a new offensive coordinator. And Mike Vrabel did mention that some things will change with the offense. Mike Vrabel is a guy, comes from that Bill Belichick thought process of we need to be able to be whatever football team we need to be that week to win. So if we need to run more power runs this week, we're going to run more power. If we need to run more zone, we're going to run more zone on defense. He always says front multiplicity. We're going to run a 4-3. We're going to run a 3-4. We're going to run everything. You know what I mean? So I think from that perspective, if the Titans do want to lean fully into that and have the ability to run more power, I just think Dewan Jones isn't a guy who's going to be getting up onto the second level consistently, trying to go from the backside shoulder and cross a guy's face to get in front of him. I don't think he has the athleticism to do that at his size, but if you ask him to just drive his man off the ball on a double team, you ask him to down block a defensive tackle and open up a hole there with a backside puller coming through. I think he can do all of those things. So if the Titans truly want to commit to a diversified offensive game plan, then I think Dewan Jones could be a potential fit. At that point, you're kicking Nicholas Petit-Ferrer inside or maybe to the left side, which he didn't have as much success in college on the left side, so I like keeping him on the right side. So that's why I think that there's there is the chance that they could consider Dewan Jones, who had a really good senior bowl and the Titans were there, so maybe there's that. But at the end of the day, I don't think the Titans stray far enough away from their zone scheme 
to entertain a guy like Dewan Jones at pick number one. So I, I would say they'll probably pass. But if they do take Dewan Jones, then we're starting to get some answers of how much are the Titans going to vary their scheme with a new offensive coordinator. So it, it's a lot of fun to watch, a lot of fun to see what they decide to do. Dewan Jones, I would say maybe 20% chance that he's on the Titans' radar. But hey, I'm not in the building, and maybe they're higher on him than I know, and maybe they're making more changes than I know, and he could very well end up as a Tennessee Titan. So it's an interesting thing to watch there if the Titans don't get their hands on an offensive tackle early in the draft. Absolutely love everything we got from Tyler Rowland today, the host of Locked On Titans. Titans, excuse me, Tyler. Where can everybody tongue-tie with the T's, man? I'm trying to get all these <laughs> T-words out, and they're getting me tongue-tied. Tyler, yep. where can everyone listen to Locked On Titans if they want to learn more about the Tennessee Titans, maybe they're a fan, or what more of your thoughts are about Buckeyes that might get drafted by the Titans at the end of the month? Yeah, as uh, the listeners of Locked On Titans will know, I am uh, a, a schmuck for uh, alliteration. I just love all the T's, but the tick. <laughs> Tic Tac Titans is the Twitter name, you know what I mean? But yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans. I do some film work, and especially after the draft picks are made, going to be doing breakdowns on different prospects that the Titans added. Uh, also, Locked on Titans, your team every day, Monday through Friday, YouTube, any podcast platform. And then recently, uh, a couple of months ago, I started writing for Sports Illustrated for alltitans.com, so you can read my work there. Before I go anywhere, though, Jay, I do want to say congratulations on your engagement, oh, and I just you. want you to know that you were my fullback in that adventure. It was not too long after you popped the question that I did as well. So <laughs> I appreciate you setting a good example, and I was able to follow your lead to the finish line, and luckily both the women in our lives said yes. So thanks for having me on. That's where you can find my work, and thank you for uh, leading by example there and doing a great thing, and congratulations to us both. Congratulations to, congratulations to you. It's like the old school ISO play. <laughs> Fullback goes right through the hole. Yep. Running back comes through Boom. right behind him. Perfect. Now, congratulations to you as well. And, uh, guys, I love what Tyler has. Check out Locked on Titans. you got a lot of good stuff here. You'll get more stuff there every day, Monday through Friday, your team every day. You can follow me on Twitter at jsteven07. We're out of here on a Wednesday, a jam-packed Wednesday show. And I can't, I can't wait to see what happens the rest of the week. Spring game coming up. We got recruits that are announcing if they're going to be Buckeyes in the future. I love this time of year, and I love having people like Tyler on the show to learn more about what Buckeyes might be on teams that might draft them at the end of the month. Tyler Rowland, thank you for coming on Locked on Buckeyes. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Go Bucks.